0: What it used to be. The good news is you don't have to figure it out on your own. If you're looking for truth, inspiration, and tips for success in the classroom and beyond, you're in the right place. It's time to turn the page to the future of the profession. This is the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Spinagle, and thank you for listening to episode 22 of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast, helping you prepare for back to school season. So, if you haven't already, you soon will probably be back out in your classroom getting things ready for the new year. A lot goes on before you even see a single student. And unless you're a teacher, you are very unaware. I mean, sure, you may know, but you just don't know how much work goes into setting up a classroom when it's all been packed away for a few months. In fact, that is often the wake-up call, that summer break is nearing its end for me when I walk back into that empty-ish, packed-up room and it hits me that it's gonna be me that puts this all back together. And if this is your first year of teaching and you're setting up your classroom for the very first time, you've got a blank slate, which can be nice, but it's also kind of like being stranded on a desert island and all you want is a stapler. Or maybe that was just me. I just wanted a stapler, but I I couldn't get to it because the desk drawer that it was in was swollen shut. I mean, it was like a really old wooden desk in my first classroom. It's a very long story that I don't know if I've shared on here yet, but it involves at least five filing cabinets and the California Raisins. But let's save that for another time because Before you can feel ready to teach, you have to have your space ready for your kids. I know that social media has given you lots of ideas for what you need, and I use need loosely because, let's face it, social media is trying to get you to buy, 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 and feel, feel, feel. And unfortunately, it can start to make you feel like you can't compete with all the colors and organization and ideas that you see out there. I have felt that way, too what initially began with Pinterest and how old am I that I remember teaching when Pinterest came out. I mean, my first years of teaching, amazingly, we could survive without it. Uh, but I remember it started off with sharing ideas and just learning new things and making your pin boards, and now it's become marketing mania. You are being sold to just like ads in a magazine. And before I, we get started, I just feel like I have to emphasize once again with this Because classroom setup, effective classroom setup, has nothing to do with your classroom's appearance. Yes, you need to have your students feel welcomed and stimulated to learn and feel like you are just as extra as the teacher down the hall. But fast forward a month from now, when the kids are in front of you and you've got papers to grade and things to teach, the aesthetics will not matter as much, if at all. It's going to be trench time, as in down in the trenches teaching, and all the color coordinating in the world can't save you if you don't have a functional space. That's what matters most. So that's what I'm going to talk about with you today. What you need to do in your classroom setup to make it functional and support learning. You can go make it pretty after you make it functional. These are the things that matter most with classroom setup for back to school. So let's get into it so you can get back to spending your last few days of summer relaxing, hopefully. So number one, do this if you can. For the first few days or for the first week of school, plan to sit the kids alphabetically. What? No! That's like blasphemy. How dare I, success- I suggest such a thing that seems so simple and old school? But this is why, though. Sometimes you got to take a couple steps backward to go forward. Think of it this way. You don't know your class yet. And back up for a second. Maybe you don't have desks. Maybe there are tables in your room. You can still ABC it. I'm coming from upper elementary land. Either one will work. Anyway, like I said, you don't know your class yet and who works well with who yet and you would probably like to avoid the disgruntled parent who tells you, Oh, my child can't sit beside that child. I'll meet the teacher night because you got them all scrambled up, trying to arrange them, a couple of boys here, a couple of girls here. So if you sit them A, B, C alphabetically, at least you have an out. You can say, Well, thank you for letting me know. I just arranged the desk alphabetically just to hand out materials. Because that is why I want you to do it alphabetically. You're gonna have to distribute materials to each student forms different textbooks things like that and it'll probably come to you or the things that will come to you to hand out to students it'll be organized by student last name so you can save time if you have them sitting alphabetically at first when you pass things out it'll go a lot faster if this does just where they're located and they don't have to stay in these seats it's not permanent you'll learn who's who and who can and can't be with each other very quickly And if they're in rows, however that may be, it'll be easy to put them in groups if that's your end game. But start them out A, B, C. It works. It might feel a little old school at first, but I'm telling you, it's an oldie but a goodie. The second thing goes right along with setting the kids alphabetically. Because you're going to number everything in your room. Yes, each kid is getting a number based on their last name. So it's kind of still alphabetically. Only instead of A, B, C, it's one, two, three. You can wait to assign numbers until you have a finalized class list. That would probably be best. But this is another classroom management hack that will save you time and frustration because that number is going to save you from having to write or type out labels with names. And if you number things like cubbies or plastic boxes, you can just reuse that same numbered cubby year after year. I mean, like wipe it out, clean it up at first because... Last year's germs. Anyway, so every kid has a number. Every number has a space, like for their Chromebooks or iPads or their clips for lunch count. Numbers also work well if you need to call roll quickly. You can just start at zero and then have the kids call out their number in order. It's fast. It saves you from calling out all the names. So, so far, ABC, one, two, three. We're going to set the kids alphabetically. We're going to assign each kid a number. We're going to number the things in our classroom that they need to get to. need to have assigned to them to save us time and for organization's sake. To go along with that number three here, you need a crate, (laughs) like a plastic crate. And you may want more than one depending on how many classes you have or how you want to help organized or how separate you want your items to be. So this is a fast and relatively cheap way to have a system for collecting work or storing assignments and papers. You're going to put hanging files in these crates and then each hanging file is going to have a number and that number belongs to, you guessed it, a student. And that is where they will put their work or their assignments or their packets that they need every day. You don't them get shoved in the desk, whatever you choose to use it for. And these crates, put them in locations in your room where the students can easily access them without having to come to you and say, where do I put this? Because they will. But you want to have it somewhere where they'll be going to it every single time. So so far we've got A, B, C. One, two, three. Crates they can easily access. Simple stuff here that you can implement. Speaking about easy access, that's number four. You've got to decide what you want them to have access to, and what you don't want them to have access to. You don't want to always have to stop, drop, and get them a tissue or a band-aid, or a pencil, or notebook paper, a hall pass. Decide where you're going to position your self-serve items. They don't all have to be grouped together. You can have them in different places throughout the room, so they're easy to get to, or not everybody's going to the same spot. And when you go over the rules, routines, and expectations, which if you haven't already, please download the Great 88, the classroom management checklist of your dreams. It is 88 things to go over and over. You can get it in the show notes or at erinspinagle.com. It's gonna help you out a lot this year. But anyway, you're going to point out where each of these self-serve items are and you are going to teach them how they can go use them and get them at certain times. You don't want them getting up in the middle of class when they interrupt interrupt you, but you're gonna show them that these are things they can take care of themselves. You also, as I mentioned, have the things you don't want them to get into. Maybe it's scissors if they're not going to need those every day and you want them, don't want them to cut things up on their desk. I feel that. Maybe it's tape or the books that you specifically use for, a men- for mentor texts. The things you don't want them into on a daily basis need to be out of sight and mind so they don't get into them by accident and you, have, and you have control over when and how they're used. Sometimes less is more. And I know it looks nice to display things, but if you're not using it daily or you don't want them to be a distraction, put it away. So we've got got four now. We're going to go to five. There are six total. I shouldn't have mentioned that to begin with, but we are six total today. Number five, this is very important for your classroom setup. Probably the most important thing. You need to see all the kids at all times. That was blunt, but boom. Super important. When you are setting up your room, you need to ensure that you will always have your students in your sight. That may seem silly to think about. I mean, they're in your classroom. Why wouldn't you see the kids? Your your eyes stop a lot of things and there's going to be a lot going on in your room and you need to be able to catch and correct it before it escalates. So student desks and tables should be able to be seen by you wherever you are in the room whether it's in the front of the room teaching a lesson or if you're working with kids in a small group at a table this will be something you'll need to keep in mind all year like if they're working on the floor can you see them if you are at your desk or in the back of the room because the floor is at a different eye level than you Uh, if they're in the classroom library can you see everyone or see the students in there think twice. I know it's cute, but those TPs and reading nooks, uh, the intentions to create a fun space to read are there, but you don't want to create a situation where you didn't see an incident go down because of the spaces you created. You need to be able to see them at all times. It's a safety issue and it's a communication issue when you need to explain what's going on in your room to somebody. And lastly, the sixth one today is flow. Think about the pathways and the flow of your room. This is going to depend on how much space you have, but how are they entering and exiting your room? Can they do that without running into a bookcase or having a table in the way? If you do groups, can you get between the aisles ways that you create by having these groups of desks or tables? For rotations or doing small groups, How will they move from one station to the next without creating a traffic jam that causes you to lose time because you have to get the kids situated or they're angry because they can't get through and someone starts pushing? And it's hard to envision this without your class there. But walking through it yourself, thinking about the number of kids that need to be in each area at a time, helps you when you're setting up your classroom furniture and items so that you can spend less time doing crowd control once the kids are there and more time teaching. So think about this. I'm helping you get your classroom set up and you didn't have to go buy something that you saw on Instagram. Maybe you need to go get a crate, but you can get crates pretty cheap, or borrow them, or not borrow them, but or get getting something that somebody's throwing away. Anyway, let's recap. The most important things you need for your classroom setup. Set up student desks or table areas alphabetically at first until you know them and have distributed materials. It's not a permanent arrangement. It's just to get things handed out, to learn about who is who, and who learn about the dynamic, dynamics first. Give every student a number. You can Wait for the final roll to come out, and then number all the things students will use or have distributed to them. Speaking of which, a crate with hanging files that are numbered is an effective, inexpensive way to have students organize their work, or assignments that they'll need to turn in and have graded decide what things in your room need to be easy access and what things need to be distributed by you on a case-by-case or lesson-by-lesson basis. They need to have access to things that will lessen classroom disruptions. They do not need access to all the things all the time. You need to see the kids all the time. That's for sure. Everywhere. No cool hidden nooks or corners. That's not cool at all when the kids start pointing fingers about who said what to who or who did what to who. No, you don't want it. Trust me. And to end with, flow. Pathways and flow. Think about how the kids will move around your room. We want it functional and flowing so there are minimal traffic jams and disruptions. See, this is the stuff that matters. You don't have to have all the things that are hashtag back to school cool on social media. These are the things that will help your year run better. These are the things that will matter in October when the kids are eyeing that Halloween candy like a gold medal in the Olympics. Your flow, your routines, your organization will keep the ship upright. For more things that will help you keep your classroom moving along smoothly, go grab your free checklist of the Great 88, Rules, Routines, and Expectations to Go Over and Over Below. It's made just for you to help you start your school year out with confidence and peace. That's all for this episode of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Join us next time when we turn the page to the future of the profession. Until then, remember to be different, but more importantly, be the difference. And I'll see you in the next chapter.